Okay. Regular events spotlight some of the best artists and musicians in our area and throughout Minnesota and the Upper Midwest. Our beautifully restored facility includes art galleries, classrooms, clay and textile labs, a gift shop and rehearsal spaces, in addition to a 300-seat auditorium. Visit ParadiseCenterForTheArts.org for a full schedule of events or call our box office at 507-332-7372. Art Zany. Radio for the Imagination, with your host, Paula Granquist, is brought to you by the Northfield Arts Guild and by the Paradise Center for the Arts. And now, Art Zany, Radio for the Imagination. Good morning, this is Paula Granquist, and you are listening to Art Zany, Radio for the Imagination. I thank you so much for listening to the show that celebrates creating and stories, and I hope you are ready to tune your imagination. So let's get going. Folks, I am so excited. Today is New Year's Eve, so happy New Year's Day, dear Art Zany Radio listeners. Goodbye, 2021, and hello, 2022. What a ride. Does it feel like this year you've, we've been faced with unimaginable challenges and unexpected twists and turns? This week, I wondered if maybe this time of the pandemic is like a multi-layered puzzle. Maybe that is what is so consuming and exhausting about this time. We race up and down the halls of endless doorways, looking for an exit that will allow us into the place we dream of being. We hunt for the buried treasure that will show us the map to the way out. We are committed to making it through the maze, doing our best to figure out which keys unlock the doors that make us feel safer. And we are ready to see the whole picture form and look back on the complete picture. We love the challenges of solving puzzles. How many of you do a morning crossword or a word game or a Sudoku? I love to start my day with a word puzzle. And these games are rewarding because I can finish the board in a few minutes while I drink my tea or coffee, and then I can begin the day with the satisfaction of success. We may like the puzzle, but I think we like the sense of accomplishment even more. Reading is like that for me. I love to enter the world of a new world and... The wonder, excuse me, that was, I repeated world there. I love to enter the wonder of a new world and spend time puzzling through the challenges of the characters. Together with the author and the characters and my imagination, we embark on something thrilling. It's a great escape, a way to discover the world, a way to understand what connects us. This is the door I want to choose to open time and time again. I've always got the key to enter this safe space. And I love this time of year, the close of one year and the hope of the next. We're on the cusp of something. Somehow this year feels like we can set the tone. This time of year helps us to set the tone, shape the future, become the something we dream. And that's a powerful place. I like to believe that what are we doing as we cross over this point in time informs how we will experience the next space in time. So today, I am absolutely delighted to share with you another holiday gift, a conversation with a talented writer and great explorer of the imagination. These are the places I want to linger, lost in a book or deep in conversation about the wonder of the imagination and the arts. Today in Art Zany Radio, I'm going to be welcoming author Margie Preuss to discuss the final Enchantment Lake mystery book, The Silver Box, from the University of Minnesota Press. Her website is Margie Preuss, 
M-A-R-G-I-P-R-E-U-S.com. Margie Preuss is a New York Times bestselling author of books for young readers, including the Newbery Honor-winning Heart of a Samurai. Among her other novels are Village of Scoundrels, Shadow on the Mountain, West of the Moon, and The Bamboo Sword, as well as the previous two books in the Enchantment Lake series, Enchantment Lake and The Clue in the Trees, which were published by the University of Minnesota Press and received the Midwest Book Award and the Midwest Booksellers' Choice Award. She lives in Duluth, and in this final Enchantment Lake mystery. Francie's search for the truth about her mother and herself plunges her into danger during a Northwoods winter. One ominous clue after another reveal that Francie possesses something so rare and so valuable that some people are willing to do anything to get it. Everything depends on the small engraved silver box that she now possesses. If only she can follow its cryptic clues to the whereabouts of her missing mother and understand, finally, just maybe, the truth about how she really is. Who she really is is great story, and I'm excited to be able to open up the mic and welcome my guest today, Margie Preuss. Welcome to Art Saney Radio. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's and Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. It's such a thrill. I'm so excited. It does feel like this is a great gift, and I'm thrilled that you're you're spending some time with us this morning. I love I love it if you could just tell us a little bit. Do you have any New Year's traditions? Um, maybe a little bit more about your work or your world or things that aren't in your standard introduction that you would love to share with our listeners. Because this is this is now the third time you've been with us, and we've talked about each of these Enchantment Lake mysteries, which has been so exciting. Yeah. Well, we're, yeah, we're having a little conversation here at our house about just how are we going to celebrate New Year's Eve? It's really, I think it's a, a challenge for everybody this year to know, you know, what to do. Absolutely. <laughs> and I have my, my, um, my family home, my sons are here with their partners, and uh, so they're in their early 30s and are accustomed to going out on New Year's Eve. But I think this year everybody's going to stay home, and we're going to uh, we're, we're just going to play games. And we have a wood fired hot tub. Ooh, that we're going to fire up. <laughs> How does that work? I've, I've well, never yeah, seen one of those. It has a something called a snorkel stove. So it, the stove actually is is under water. Oh, um, and. You have to be careful not to touch it, but we, you know, we have a barrier there <laughs> when you're in there. Um, yeah, it's an old barrel. Um, it kind of leaks, and it takes pretty much all day to get hot. So. <laughs> well, that's a project definitely you can spend the day on. Yeah, that will be our day-long project today, just getting the water hot. I love how that fire and water uh, are mixed in that particular scenario. That's an unusual setup. So, and of, uh, of course, taking a you know uh, doing one of those out in the uh, winter is a traditional Minnesota endeavor. And probably there, if there are people listening who aren't from here, think, "What are you? What are you, what are you are doing?" You <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is a little bit crazy, but you know. W- when can you 
when should you be crazy? New Year's Eve, right? Exactly. If you're oh. gonna be if you're gonna be crazy, do it then. Well, absolutely. And why not also, I suggest a fire and a good book are another way to spend the evening, which is also wonderful. And, you know, when I was reading this book, The Silver Box, it did make me think about the roles of puzzles in our world. And I thought, I bet Margie really likes puzzles. Is that true? (laughs) Well, I just, first of all, I just wanted to say, I thought your introduction was beautiful. Um, Oh, thank you. What you had to say at the at the start of the program. And uh, I was interested that <clears throat> that you like puzzles so much. I I do crossword puzzles. It doesn't just take do you actually do crossword puzzles in a couple of minutes? No. <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> I don't. A lot longer. <laughs> I do little word games that you know like a, I don't know what they they're called now, but just, you know, uh unscramble the words, get a clue. Um oh, okay. it's shorter versions. So yeah, cuz as crossword puzzles frustrate me sometimes because it does take like an hour or two to get one done. <laughs> yeah, they're they're time consuming. Um, yeah, I like. Well, I I do crossword puzzles some, but I I think that it's been really a learning um, process for me to write these mysteries. I love 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 reading mysteries and mm. I love like watching the the British mystery series mm-hmm. that are. Um, you know, used to be always on PBS, and now you can get them on all the streaming services. Um, and I'm sort of addicted to those. And so, of course, because I love them so much, and I write books, I had to try to see if I could write mysteries, too. And that's where I started from when I started with the Enchantment Lake series. And I have um, gained new respect for mystery writers. And... Mm-hmm. <laughs> And also realize that, yes, I do think that um, most mystery writers probably do have puzzle brains. Like, they they probably are puzzle workers, and they, I think there's a certain way your brain maybe works to um, construct puzzles as well. I don't feel like I'm super great at that. Oh. <laughs> so, so, these, so these mysteries were quite really a challenge for me, um, harder than I thought they'd be. And, and, um, and so it's really been, but it's been an amazing learning experience. It helps with just writing in general, because of course, every story is a mystery in some way. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, why would we read it? Right. There has to be, a, there has to be some kind of, um, some kind of something that leads you on. And that's going to be a question that you have. And then a question is a mystery. You need the answer to. Yeah, exactly. So, and that's what I was thinking, too, is that writing a novel is a little bit like a puzzle, whether it's a mystery or, like you said, you know, something that you're writing about a character and, you're, you know, you want to keep the reader involved and you want to have things continue to happen, but you don't want them to be able to say, well, I know exactly what's going to be in the next chapter and the next and the next. <laughs> yeah, that's that's exactly right. So um, they all stories are puzzles that you have to construct and pieces for me it's a lot of pieces that I have to put together because I don't just start at the beginning writing and then write through mm-hmm. you know like page one two three four five and I know that this is how the sequence is going to go um, I just never do that so eventually I have to put these various pieces together in some some form in some narrative form that makes an art you know, that has some rising action and then 
a climax and and then a denouement at the end. So um, that is a puzzle. That is a way of putting a puzzle together. You have the pieces and then you fit them fit them together. Yeah, I think that's it's been fun for me to think about it that way. And there's a lot of puzzles in this new book from the Enchantment Lake Mystery. This this one is the Silver Box, and I was so excited to spend time again with Francie. I've I've read all three of them, but I want people to know too that you can probably pick up any one of them, and they they stand alone. So if you're not um, you haven't read the first two, it's not like you would miss out. And this is the third book, as as we mentioned, and I love that Francie is smart and bold and curious and sometimes lost and um, especially that she's connected to northern Minnesota. I, I bet she's ignited your imagination and I think that it's, it feels to me that you have had a lot of fun spending time solving these, these mysteries with her as well. Yes, that's really true. And it, it's very rewarding to write um, write more than one story with a character because you you already have a relationship with this character. You know who she is, and you and so it's it, there's a sort of ease in it. Like you you start writing, and she's you know you, you know what she's going to do in this situation or that situation, um, and how she thinks about things and so on. So there, that is a pleasure to have a character that you you don't have to learn all new each book. But you have, and then her friends are with her too in each of the books. Mm -hmm. And by the way, thank you for pointing out that you can pick them up. Um, Don't you don't have to read them in order because I did want to make it so that you didn't have to know what happened in the other books in order to read each book because I am a terrible non-sequence reader myself, (laughs) and I love, as I said, I love mysteries. But I'll just pick any mystery in in the sequence of somebody's, you know, series and read. And I I do get annoyed if I don't understand what's going on. (laughs) So I I decided I wasn't going to do that. I was going to make it so you could pick one, any book up and read it. And then what I would hope is if you picked up the last book, that it would make you curious to know about what happened before and go back and read the previous books. Absolutely, it does. And this um, book has so many different layers of challenge. And so I can see what you're saying when you uh, have a greater appreciation for anyone who is writing a mystery that you have to sort of I don't know if manage or manipulate or um, juggle or what. All those threads have to be woven together somehow, and things have to have to be. Um, explained, you know, why this happened in this way, or, um, you know, you can't, you can have a red herring, Mm -hmm. that's okay, you need to have some of those, but, but um, they still have to weave into the story and make, make sense in the story. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of little uh, moving parts, a lot of moving parts that you have to kind of keep track of. What tricks did you learn as a writer to try to manage that or, or uh, you know, uh, I don't know if plot is the right word because it's some of it is is just the details of, okay, I can't say that because I haven't revealed that or um, uh-huh. oh, I've got to, uh, oh, that character, I thought he was going to be the one, but now I decided he's not and, you know, you've got to. No, you know what is the worst thing is when your editor tells you, 
I think that you should move this chapter before that chapter. Oh. And, you, and then you do, and you realize, oh, house of cards. That, <laughs> uh, you know, you've just pulled out the card that is holding everything else up, and now you have to somehow stick it back in there quick and, and in the right place to hold it all back together, you know, mm-hmm. uh, keep it from falling down. Uh, I think a mystery really is like that. Like you, like all these little parts have to go in a certain sequence to make sense. And if you start moving things around, it gets really tricky. But then, you know, maybe for the for the sake of the narrative um, or the sense of the movement of the story or for whatever, you know, there can be a lot, there are a lot of reasons why um, you might need to, change a character or move move a chapter or a scene or whatever mm-hmm. and so um yeah but that's the case in any i mean that's not just mysteries just about any novel you find uh that happens you know they're all kind of house of cards <laughs> <laughs> true <laughs> because yeah. it, there are stories of authors having to rewrite in a different tense or a, a different uh, point of view and you know, when you do that, it really unravels so much, and it really does make you have to know your story so solidly well, and you get to be so close to it. And I think that's um, also part of the fun is, is well, maybe when you're done, it feels like it might have been fun. <laughs> In the middle, it's hard. <laughs> um, well, it is fun. It's fun to figure things out, you know, like, because I, you know, I think one of the scary things about writing <clears throat> any book for people is that feeling of like, I don't know what happens next. Mm. I don't know how to get my character out of this predicament that I've gotten them into. How am I going to get it out? And I, um, I think that can be almost paralyzing for a writer. If, if you, if, if you don't just have some faith, you know, that you're going to figure it out, that it's going to come, that you're going to get it either by just writing and writing until it comes or reading or doing some research or talking to people or, you know, whatever, you know, that something is going to just click. And I, you know, a story about that is uh, the clue in the trees, which is the second book I had written all the way to the end. And I did not know who the murderer was oh. and even why. And uh, I was kind of in that sake of like, in that, in that position of thinking, I don't know, I don't have an ending. I don't know who the murderer is. I don't, um, I, I don't know what to do. And um, I was just reading I don't know, a newspaper article about, well, I, the problem is I can't give it away. Uh, yeah, I know. I, I was just thinking, away. how is she going to do this? But <laughs> it was in, it was in an actual either newspaper or magazine article, a news item. And I just, I started laughing when I read it. It was like, that's it. That's mm. what's going to be the whole crux of the matter. And so at that point, I just went back in and wrote in a character and nudged this and 
pushed that around and, you know, had put the clues in and and it worked out. Yeah. It, and uh, yeah, that is something you can do with writing. I mean, the thing is, you it's not like you have to know. Maybe some writers do. Probably William Kent Kruger knows everything <laughs> that's going to happen in his story and he just writes it all down. Um, but I, I think there are plenty of people who don't really know and they're spinning a tale and then you just go in and you, you, you layer in the things you need. Mm-hmm. I think they, they have a word for those, um, plotters and pansters, those that, uh, plot it out <laughs> and know everything and, you know, have an outline and just, you know, work through that and others who are just flying by the seat of their pants. <laughs> That, I was right. I have heard that, and that is true, and I immediately knew that I'm a pants, for sure. <laughs> I think that's the way I like it. Yes, exactly, because it's almost like you get to be a part of the experience and, you know, be a part of the process, and I think that's a, a pretty pretty great thing. And we, sh- we should tell um, listeners now the, the silver box is something that shows up in the very first scene of the book, so we can talk about that. And it mm-hmm. also had, you know, kind of had a little... Um, element that car- this is part of what carried through through the books because it, it showed up in I, was it both of them or just the one maybe it was just the second one it's in all it's, it is it's in okay all of them. I'd have to see and I read you know not knowing that that was going to be an important piece uh, a mm-hmm. long time ago and so that's kind of fun to to be a reader who who knows that that's been you know a key so I'm well, that's okay because I wrote it not knowing that it was going to be an important <laughs> piece <laughs> I imagine that, did you have a silver box that you, because this is a puzzle box that um, it takes them a little while to figure out, you know, what to do with this box. And I I was envisioning you sitting at your desk with something like this, because I hadn't (laughs) heard of these. And I thought, well, that's a really fun um, way to keep some, uh, keep a treasure. Yeah, Um, I, yeah, I, I guess, you know, I had a little one when I was a little kid that wasn't very complicated at all. It like had a sliding panel or something Mm -hmm. Uh, like a secret panel and you push the button and it opened. It wasn't very, it wasn't like this box, which is very tricky to open. Mm -hmm. Um, But I did a lot of, I love research, you know, I've written a fair amount of historical fiction too. And so I do lots and lots of research for that. And this, I think some people are surprised to know that I also do a lot of research for these mysteries. Um, they, were cont- they take place in contemporary times, and if I'm talking about an issue, and I do, I mean, each one of these books at least, at the very least, mentions um, one or more or sometimes many issues that face Minnesota mm-hmm. right now. Um, and I always research those things so that I feel that I'm, you know, saying something that's really factually true. Um, and uh, I so I researched puzzle boxes and spent a lot of time <laughs> look, looking at them online and reading about how they work and open and so on. Um yeah, so I and now I've completely forgot where the question was. Well, I was just just wondering if you had to, you know, uh sort of uh because it's it's really well done in the book of how um they 
solve the mystery of opening the box because that's a big part of the first part of the, of the book. And because it's not like you, you know, have a latch you lift up or you have a, um, you know, something that you would traditionally uh, think of a box with a lid that lifts up. I mean, there's like a uh, a way to open it that's not obvious. Maybe that's what we need to tell people. And right. and that yeah. and and I had never known that some of these existed, and I thought that is a really fun, fun way to keep something that you want either secret or hard to find or um, a surprise. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't think that any. I I have not found any box quite like the one I described. Okay, that's <laughs> that exists. So that that one that pushed a little bit you know, into the, into the realm of fiction. But, um, I don't, I don't think it's impossible mm-hmm. that there could be something like that. No, so. it's, yeah. And you could do that in fiction. A- another element of the story that really pulled me through was that, um, Francie doesn't always make the choices that seem logical or smart. <laughs> Well, she's 17 years old. <laughs> and she kind of dives into things that, that and it's kind of fun as a reader, right? You can say, oh, no, please, no, don't, don't go in that empty place with a door that's slightly ajar, or don't go by yourself. And so, um, yeah. I think that's... Just, it's funny because my my cousin, you're just making me remember something that my cousin said when she read a draft of one of these stories, and she said, I just... She said, I, when I read this, I just felt like, would she really do these dangerous things? And would she really make these sort of choices that put her in at, at risk? And and she said, and then I took care of my 17-year-old mm-hmm. uh, niece. And <laughs> she said, okay, now I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> she didn't have kids, so... It, you know, I think once you've had teenagers, you you believe it a lot. Yeah, I, I've, I've got a couple right now. And so fingers crossed we can navigate our way <laughs> yeah. through through this time. Uh, I think that uh, one of the hard things about talking about the, you know, the book is we don't want to give away too much to, to our, our listeners who we hope will pick up a copy. And folks, if you are just tuning in, this is Art Zany, Radio for the Imagination. I'm here with Margie Price, and we're talking about uh, an Enchantment Lake Mystery. This is The Silver Box. And uh, it's just, it's such a wonderful series. And I've just had so much fun. It's been compared to, you know, a little uh, Northern, Northwoods, Nancy Drew kind of story. And I, I think that's, that's certainly appropriate. And uh, there's so many um, fascinating ways that this story uh, uh, develops. And, and you mentioned that, um, that it highlights some current challenges facing the North Woods. And one of those um, in this book, I don't think it's giving away too much if we talk about the theft of natural wonders from public and private lands. And Yeah, no, I, 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 no not at all, I don't think. it's um, Yeah, that is a, really a part of it is the um, – there are so much – so many more <laughs> – uh, natural things stolen from both public and private property. I I found it astounding. Yeah, you know, I was I unaware knew, too. Yeah, I mean, I knew about um, you know balsam tops and boughs and things like that. I mean, it's totally legal if you get a permit. You know, you can get a permit to go and cut on public lands, um, but. A lot of people don't bother with that and just take 
you know, cut down trees and then take the tops. Not a lot of people, but mm-hmm. <laughs> it happens. People. And of course, things like mushrooms and um, and Prince's pine in this part of the world, and then all over the all over the country, like saguaro cacti, I found out are the most stolen, um, you know, things from from public lands. Well, even private. Property. Mm. People would dig these big saguaro cacti up because it takes them a hundred years just to get to the point of growing one of those funny arms. You know? Yeah, and didn't it didn't it say that it was an inch every ten years that it grows? Something really tiny was was. Yeah, the... they just don't. They just grow so so slowly that um, people who are in a hurry to have something like that, I guess, in their yard or something, oh. <laughs> um, or you know. I suppose uh, you get them and, you know, sell them. Um, mm-hmm. But it's, you know, all this stuff. And um, and also um, succulents in California apparently are just being uh, really destroyed because there's so much demand for big succulents. And it's the same thing. They take forever to get large. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was surprising. Know, if you buy them a, a little tiny one, it's going to take a long time to get to be a big, impressive looking thing. Exactly. And so in, even in northern Minnesota, there's there's an issue. And I thought one thing that was really uh, fascinating was that at some point they talked to a DNR person. And, and I didn't even know this, that, um, you know, you can go on public land. I think this is not the fictional part, so you can tell me if it, it's not. But, you know, if you want to pick a few blueberries to make a pie for your family or pick some mushrooms for dinner, that that's an okay thing. But there's a line that gets crossed, you know, when you um, go beyond what is serving the needs of your family. And I, for, at first, wasn't even aware that you could even pick a few raspberries off the tree or blueberries or you know, something like that. Because I, I sort you know, we grew up in, in, in a, a place where we would walk in the woods, but you walk and observe, but you, you know, don't take, right? You let nature be. Um, so I, I would even be nervous to pick some of those blueberries, but that's no. interesting. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, for sure, people pick blueberries for their, you know, for their own use. Um, from public lands and up here in northern Minnesota, I'd do it. And um, but if you're going to be selling them commercially, right, or you know just gathering them for commercial purposes, and you don't have um, you know a permit or a legal right to do that, that's theft. Mm-hmm. And it's the and you know it's stealing from everyone because then you can't go out and pick enough to make a pie. Yes, <laughs> right. Somebody's come in and just basically stolen them all. Yeah, it is. It is a part. I think we're we're learning more and more. Obviously, that how connected we are to what happens in nature and how that you know nature is changing and and we need to you know do what we can to keep some of these things. Uh, which are, you know, really a part of our whole ecosystem. And you know, we need to be thinking long-term rather than just the, you know, I'm going to take these and sell these and make money. I, there, there's a lot more. So I love that these books raise those issues. And uh, there's each, each, of, mm-hmm. each of them in the series has a little different um, feature to it that, that uh, opens your eyes. And that's, that's where your research comes in. And I think <laughs> it, it, it's exciting because it, it um, lets us view that world through uh, maybe a different set of eyes. Um, and, and, you know, Francie's certainly someone that, that she's coming from 
New York City, I think, or boarding school, and mm-hmm. um, she's new to it too, so that helps. Yeah, she's she's grown. She spent summers when she was younger with her aunts at their very rustic cabin on a lake in northern Minnesota, and but then more recently, since she lost her mother, which is part of the mystery that she's trying to solve, is what happened to her mother. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> the rest of the time she'd lived in New York City and gone to, yeah, like a boarding school there. And so she, in the first book, she comes back because her aunts, she thinks her aunts are in danger. Mm-hmm. They pro- kind of probably are. <laughs> <laughs> and she probably kind of is as well. Um, and um, and then in the second book, which is, takes each one of these takes place in a different season. So Enchantment Lake is the first book, and that's in the summer. And The Clue in the Trees is in the fall, and she then decides to stay with her aunts and go to school in the little, little town, little northern Minnesota town. So it's kind of a shock. She's um, in her senior year. And she moves from the big city to this little um, uh, this little town in Minnesota. And part of the reason I really wanted to do that was to show that really there is plenty of interesting things and um, for sure danger mm-hmm. for her, but that life is not dull. Let's put it that way. Life is not dull in northern Minnesota. It's you, I, I didn't want to repeat kind of a stereotype of she comes from all this excitement in the big city, and then she comes to this boring town in Minnesota. Because I don't believe that. Mm-hmm. You know, I I don't think that is the case. I think there is there are people are busy, people are doing things, people are interesting. There there's art, there's culture, there's life there's um you know school is exciting mm. it, there's things happening and um <clears throat> and relationships and friendships and everything else is uh, is just as fun and just as rewarding in a small town as it as it may be in a big city and and so especially that was part of my reason for taking a, a big city girl uh and and then, you know, she complains to her brother when her brother is going to go back to New York. And she says, why do you get to have all the excitement? And then he lists off all the exciting things that have happened to her yeah, right. <laughs> like in the last two days. Yeah, it's pretty astonishing. So. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I think another way yeah. that you, you illustrate that in this book is, is because this book takes place in winter. And I, I suspect people who don't live in this climate think everything shuts down and you hunker in and you, you know, uh, sit by your fire and <laughs> wait for spring. Uh, but that's not true at all. I mean, there's, there's skiing in here, snowmobiling, ice fishing, um, you know, just snowshoeing, yeah, ice skating. All of yeah, it. they're outside most of the time, really. <laughs> they are. And I, I I think that's good to show all of those. And one of my, my favorite scenes is the um, scene where, where she's cross-country skiing, and she's 
uh, trying to get her, she's unclipped her, her skis and left them for a little bit. And then she comes back and she's trying to get them clipped into the bindings. And I so could relate to that. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. You're so cold and <laughs> your fingers <laughs> <laughs> and you just need to get your boots clipped in. Um, you did a really great job and, and of showing what that, that is. And I, I thought it'd be kind of fun to, and maybe you as the author, since you've done so many different uh, book events and travel, have had people, um, and, and this is true in some of your other books too, that are in Norway or uh, was it, oh gosh, Switzerland? No, France. France. Yeah, France. Um, France. That have winter things too, that, that people uh, comment about how your characters interact with the, the winter and time or the weather. Yeah, I love winter. I think it's my favorite season. That comes through. <laughs> and I... Uh, I do spend a fair amount of time outside in the winter because I like to ski and, and snowshoe and ice skate and, and all of those things that I have Francie do. And it's really fun to write about, um, to be able to write about the feeling of doing those things. Mm. Um, or maybe she does. Does she ice skate? Uh, some other characters ice skate, I think. <laughs> she She's in her shoes um, in the in the warming house for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe she's in the warming house while other people are skating. Um, yeah, they, um, the, I just get a, I, I get pleasure from being able to describe the feeling of snow under skis and, um, and how the cold feels on your face. <clears throat> and, um, you know, just all the winter, the bright, clear, crisp days that we get. Are, are other readers surprised by this or, or young kids maybe who haven't had the chance to experience that, to connect with these books? Are they, um, have they told you any stories about, about maybe new winter <laughs> adventures? I don't know. I mean, I hope, I always hope that, you know, people, sometimes people say, what do you hope kids get out of your books and sometimes I do feel like if they just want to go outside mm. and do something outside that that alone would be an accomplishment as far as I'm concerned you know just go outside and explore and to not be afraid of, of poking around in the woods and you know just tromping going going for a snowshoe and seeing what you can find or uh, a hike or just playing outside, anything um, to be in the out of doors. Mm, that would be a great gift to, to give to to everybody. And um, this book certainly illustrates it. And so I thought that was a, a lot of fun. Another thing I really loved about this book was how you wove in a phrase. And the only way I could describe it is it's kind of like a, you know, a, a Russian doll. And, and I, I came up with that analogy I was actually uh, typing and, and my cat came. I've got this little owl that's a nesting owl. Um, on my desk, and I think she wanted food or a treat and knocked it over and all the little pieces spilled out. And I thought, oh, that's that's like what, what Margie's done in this book, because there's, I won't, won't go through all of it, but there's this um, enchantment almost uh, that, that she remembers from her childhood that, that says, you know, far, far away in a lake lies an island. On that island is a church, in the church is a well, I'll, I'll leave the rest to be a mystery. And it goes on through each of these these pieces. And I thought, 
that was such a great way to tell this story. And it's a really fun puzzle for Francie and the reader, too. Um, was this a, a phrase or, uh, well, and some of it is tied a little bit in fairy tales, I think, or mm-hmm. reminiscent of some. So I'd love to hear some more about the origins of including that in, in the in the book. Yes, that is from a Norwegian fairy tale, uh-huh. uh, the giant who or the troll who had no heart in his body. And um, it turns out that, that what he's, he explains where his heart is. And it's on an uh, on a lake. There's an island. On the island, there is a church. In the church, there is a well. In the well, there is a duck. In the duck, there is an egg. In the egg, there lies my heart. <laughs> and <laughs> that is, um, yeah. So that's from a fairy tale. And she thinks of that very early on in the very first book. And you know, I will say. Oh, now I've I got to go back been and read talking it. Talking about how I'm a pantser, so I did not have this all laid out in my head, you know, from the beginning. But um, that phrase just kind of kept coming back to me, and um, or that little ditty—I don't know what you would call it—and mm-hmm. um, uh, and it found its way into um, in a in a kind of an interesting way to really help solve the the ultimate mystery. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah, I and that is like one of those things I was talking about when you when you do realize something that's maybe already in your book, you know, like it was already there for me. I just had to recognize that it maybe had more meaning than just something she remembered from her childhood. That is so, and and now I want to go back and reread that first one because I don't, you know, don't recall that was a few years ago when when we uh, connected on that. So that is super, super cool. Yeah, you're not required to remember everything. (laughs) I actually, I mean, when you started talking about like stuff from public and private lands, I thought, oh, yeah, that's in there. (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) so no worries. But yeah, she does. She does think. She does uh, think about that phrase in the first, first and second book, so it does carry through. There, there is so much in here. Um, the book again is the silver box part of the enchantment like mystery. Uh, one thing I thought was really great. So I'll confess, sometimes I go and read the author's notes first before I start a book because I'm always curious. Um, what you know, what they include in that, and you included uh, um, the idea of visiting the Minneapolis Institute of Arts and the um, Arboretum, or not the Arboretum, the, um, the Como Park Como Conservatory. Park Conservatory. Yeah. yeah, in which I thought was um, such a, a a great way to showcase Minnesota, or even remind people who live here of the, the gems that are are here. And in one scene, her class takes a trip to the um, MIA. And uh, there's a, a, I was so curious about this. There's a painting in there that um, I found absolutely fascinating that highlights the myth behind the story of Sleeping Beauty. And I was, had never heard this before. And is, is that a, a painting that you saw? Uh, well, no, it's not at MIA, actually. Okay. Um, yeah, it's Psyche opening the, the, the box. Yes, uh, the, the golden, golden box. Golden box, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, which is the, you know, the myth, uh, the Greek myth that gave rise to the Sleeping Beauty story um, and, you know, many other kind of fairy tales that kind of uh, use those same motifs. Um, Yeah, so I I just, I mean, I had seen it. Uh, not maybe not the original, but you know I'd seen that uh, image mm-hmm. of that painting and remembered it when I was writing and just thought, what is that? What is that paint? What's that painting that where that girl is looking? <laughs> it's just starting to open this box, you know, and because it just came to me as an image because I'm thinking about Francie and this box she wants so badly to open. Um. And so I just, you know, I just started scrolling around on the internet until I found it. So I placed it at MIA and and then explained in the author's note that it's not actually there. It's I, I forget where it where it's actually housed, but. Well, that was a really um, yeah. wonderful detail to add. And, you know, there may be, you know, readers who just go, you know, read through it and and move beyond it. But it really grabbed my attention. And, and uh, you know, and a good book will do that. It'll make you go, well, I should go look that up. Or um, I, I'm curious now. I want to reread Sleeping Beauty and see how that picture or that myth is, is incorporated. So I think. I, I hope that, I hope, I mean, I would love it if people would, like, go Google it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's. It, <laughs> Why not? Uh, you know, all of the, if I had my way, I would ha- I would have all kinds of illustrations and things like that, but things that she's seeing and you know doing and uh, you know blueprints of houses. <laughs> <laughs> and there could be like a little Pandora's box almost of <laughs> what this character's yeah. world is. Yeah. Th- yeah, like a diagram of how the box actually opens. That'd, mm-hmm. that'd be good. Yeah, but you wouldn't want people to do that before they read the book. They have to. They no, have to promise to right. do it only after they read the book. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, and and there's, uh, I mean, you just um, have so many elements in here that just um, enchant me. I guess is the best way to say it, <laughs> uh, because there's uh, another piece in there, and and uh, I'm, I'm trying to recall the reference, but I did write down the quote because it just. Um, from the poet Mary Oliver, who is just, you know, extraordinary. And there is, it must be in a classroom or something where, where um, Francie is, is, but the quote from Mary Oliver is, if I have any worth, it will be because I have tried to make people remember what the earth is meant to look like. And I thought it was such a beautiful statement of um, why it matters, why the natural world matters to us. And I was curious, you know, about this, how this, this line resonated with you because it, you know, it made it into the book. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Well, well, I find it quite moving. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's, it's actually Loretta, um, the older woman. Oh, yes. Now I remember. That says that, and it, it, I, it has meaning, extra meaning, because of how the book ends, mm-hmm. and the role that Loretta plays um, in that, and 
in the ending, which, which I, I can say which I see as a hopeful e- as a hopeful ending. But it, it what I loved, and we won't say anything. Um, but it just it it <laughs> I didn't know see it going that way, and that made it all the more just captivating. Was like, oh my gosh, amazing! So congratulations on having an ending that really. Um, it surprises in a, in a, a good way. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing about a mystery, you know, is that you, you, you have to put the clues in there as best you can. Um, and, you know, so that it's, it doesn't come completely out of left field. Mm-hmm. But, um, but you don't want to give away, so you don't want people to already know ahead of time, because that's very disappointing to a reader to be like, <laughs> well, I figured that out on page, you know, 45. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's, you know, that is one of the things I admire about mystery writers now is how they how they manage to do that book after book. Mm-hmm. Right, because they have to... Uh, juggle these all these elements, but yet you know make it something that's not predictable and uh, that so you've done done that and um, this is the third in the enchantment mystery lake series and I think I I need to ask because I thought I read that this is the last of the <laughs> yeah. and I have to say I'm I'm guessing that that there's a spring missing from your well now you think about think about what happened so. Yes. So originally, I thought I was going to write four. Okay. Because there are, you know, theoretically four seasons, uh, starting with summer, fall, winter. But then, as I was writing this book, two things happened. One, I knew the ending for oh. a change. This is the only book that I kind of knew how it was going to end uh, before I even started. Um. And I also realized that spring in northern Minnesota only lasts like a chapter. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a whole book's worth of, of a season. It never <laughs> is. We have winter until, you know, sometimes early May. And then all of a sudden in June, it's sometime it turns into summer. So there's just this tiny little sliver of something you could call spring sometimes. (laughs) And I thought, well, fine. I'll just, I'm just going to have it last as long as it really lasts. And it's going to be the last, you know, the the end of this book. So you do get out of when you, you do get to have a little spring at the end of this. Book. <laughs> well, I think we're, what a gift it's been that you've given us these three stories of Francie, and I can't wait to uh, find out, you know, what is is brewing for you, uh, what's coming next. I know you've done a few children's books, and um, I'd love to hear if you you can have got about any of those or any forthcoming projects or anything you'd like to tease our listeners with about uh, what might be um, bubbling up for you. Well, thanks for asking. Yes, I do have um, a couple of forthcoming books. I have a picture book um, that features Duluth's own lift bridge. Ooh, a very fascinating thing. <laughs> <laughs> that one's called Lily Leads the Way, and it's about a little sailboat who really wants to get out under that bridge, but is keeps 
getting pushed aside by the great big ore boat and the great big salty and the coast guard cutter and the fishing boats and all the other boats. But she wants to get out under the bridge because the tall ships are coming and she wants to go see the tall sailing ships. Like we come to Duluth. Um, I don't really know if there's a regular uh, you know, like every other year or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's that's coming out in uh, May. And then I have a novel called Windswept, which will be coming out in the fall Ooh. of this of 2022. So, and that, uh, if you're interested in Norwegian fairy tales <laughs> or yes. fairy tales in general. Um, there, there are quite a lot of them in the, in the story. It's really, um, it's a little bit of a departure for me. It's a fantasy. Mm. And, um, it's, I, I haven't quite figured out the, the elevator pitch yet. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you've, I'm intrigued already. (laughs) You know, I usually write, I mean, I, I, I shouldn't say usually, but I have written some books based on real people and Mm -hmm. it's always so much easier to talk about those books because you just talk about the real people's amazing lives and all these fabulous things that they accomplished or you know the extraordinary lives that they lived and um and with a fantasy it's uh you know it's it's a different it's a different ball game Yes, and so the, I, I'll grab it and read it, and I'll, I'll, I'm sure I'll, a lot of your fans will be excited to take, wherever you take us, we're ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. Yes, and I do want to thank also the University of Minnesota Press, who, who published this book, and Heather Skinner, who helped us to make this co- connection. Um, just been a, a thrill to, to be able to spend this time with you and to learn more about your writing and stories and imagination. So I, I thank you. It's been, been delightful. Thanks, Paul. It's so fun to talk with you. Good. I appreciate it. And I hope that your Happy New Year is everything that um, you hope for. And uh, you have some fun in the snow and the, the uh, what was it, the sun or the hot tub? I forgot. <laughs> hot tub. Hot tub. Yeah, the wood-fired hot tub. <laughs> that's, that's why I was confused. I thought there can't really be that, but there really is a thing. <laughs> so and enjoy yeah. the North Woods. Yeah, it, it's lovely. We have a lot of snow, and it's uh, it's very, very beautiful right now. Mm. Yeah, we've got some a little bit of hoarfrost this morning, which is, is a lovely mm. addition to the morning when you're driving. So uh, yeah. everybody should get outdoors. That should be what we talk about. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> get outside. Thank you. Yeah, quick, because I think the temperature is going to drop. <laughs> I've heard, yeah. <laughs> that happens in January. <laughs> so good reason to stop at the bookstore and grab a copy of... Uh, That's right. The Silver Box, uh, another enchantment like Mystery, or any one of Margie uh, Price's books, because they're just really a, a delight to read. So I, I appreciate you and, and all that you're contributing to, to the literature uh, about this, these places and these people. Oh, thanks. Thanks again, Paula. It's great to talk with you. I appreciate it. Um, have a great day. Bye-bye. 
Bye-bye. Folks, this is Art Zaney, Radio for the Imagination, and I am just thrilled that we had this time together and want to make sure that you always remember to don't forget to add some Art Zaney to your life. And of course, in the meantime, until next time, enjoy your imagination. You've been listening to Art Zaney, Radio for the Imagination, with your host, Paula Granquist. Art Zaney is brought to you each week by the Northfield Arts Guild and by the Paradise Center for the Arts in Faribault. Connect and experience art at the Northfield Arts Guild. Visit our galleries, arts festival, and take in a performance at our theater featuring a full season of dramas, comedies, and musicals. The Guild's gift shop showcases unique art from over 100 local and regional member artists. Come enjoy music from the Cannon Valley Regional Orchestra or the 411 Concert Series. We invite you to explore your creativity in one of our classes. All are welcome at the Northfield Arts Guild. To learn how you can be a part, visit northfieldartsguild.org or call 507-645-8877. Weather specialist Bob Matheson has your weather weekday mornings on KYMN.